0: Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe, but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast.
1: Welcome to Prophecy Countdown. I'm Pastor Ken Baer, and we have two updates for you each week. Uh, premiering on Sunday at 1 p.m. and then Wednesday at 11 a.m. The title of my message today is The People Marvel. And we'll be looking at chapter 15 in the Gospel of Matthew, beginning in verses 29 to 31. Uh, As the name of our podcast implies, our podcasts typically have a, a prophecy thread. Uh, We love answering questions regarding prophecy. In fact, we'll answer any question regarding anything in the Bible. Uh, You can send us an email at prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. I'll give that to you again. It's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's how we get a lot of our our topics, especially our Wednesday updates, uh, come from you, the viewing and listening audience. You send us questions, and we answer them online. If you have a question, most likely other people do as well. So let's get started today uh, in our discussion. And remember, I said the topic of my message is the people marvel. And you'll see that's right out of the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 15. Now, this passage today is a brief yet powerful um, revelation of a moment when the people marveled at the extraordinary works of Jesus. Uh, This this episode, this passage we're going to be reading, sets against a backdrop of Galilee and it captures the reaction of the people when they personally witness the miraculous both the compassion of Jesus as well as the works of Jesus and the personal impact it had on, on their lives and their lives of their friends and their neighbors and, and their brothers and sisters. The context of the scripture today has Jesus departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is in present-day Lebanon, and making his way back to the Sea of Galilee. As he ascends a mountain, a diverse multitude gathers around him and they bring with them the sick the lame, the blind, the mute, and many others that are in need of of healing. So let's go ahead and read the four verses today, and then we'll unpack what we read. Matthew 15, Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 29. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. You know, most scholars understand this to be a very unique period a very unique passage in the whole ministry of Jesus. It's unique from my perspective, uh, at least in three different instances. And we'll see how these three perspectives actually reveal something about the, the character of God, as well as our relationship to him and our response to him. First of all, in verse 31, the phrase, they glorified the God of Israel. And the entire context of these verses gives us a strong indication that this great multitude that gathered at the feet of Jesus was Gentile and largely pagan. Nevertheless, Jesus' reputation as a healer was so well known in the area that when Jesus comes down into the Sea of Galilee and sits by the mountain, they bring him All of their all of the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed and and many others, and the Bible says that Jesus healed them. As Jesus healed and provided for this mixed or predominantly Gentile multitude, it showed (laughs) actually that the Gentiles were getting more than just a few crumbs from the table. You know, that's a few, just a few verses before in Matthew, it talks about the, the woman that begged that Jesus, even though she's a Gentile, even the dogs received the crumbs from the table. So it's a kind of a reference to that. Secondly, this passage is unique because Jesus sits down and we don't notice that there's any reference of any teaching. Now, we don't typically want to take a look at a piece of scripture and make a comment on what it doesn't say, but it's, it's obvious by its absence that there's no teaching. His popularity the popularity of Jesus is based here on his miracles. Jesus would teach often in parables. He would speak about the law, its inability of the law to keep us holy. But in this passage, he teaches them through compassion and he heals them. Now, the third way that this passage is unique is, we go back to verse 29, it says, they laid them down at Jesus' feet and healed them. The unique thing about this encounter or this incident is we don't read anything in this passage about any faith on any part of the people that either brought the people to be healed or the people that were healed themselves. We don't have any record of that. Now, this account is also in the Gospel of Mark, and neither Mark Mark neither uh, has any reference of any kind of faith being demonstrated Jesus is healing based on his his compassion for those that were brought to him one commentary that I read made a reference that, that in the passage it appears how well also that limbs were restored which is kind of interesting when it says that they the maimed were made well Um, If the maimed are made well, to maim means that you're missing something. You're missing a digit on your finger, you're missing an arm, you're missing a leg, you're missing something. And if you're made well, it means that it's been restored, which is really unique. I don't know of any other passage in the New Testament where we see the maimed that are made well. So let's continue. As As the message title says today, I want to comment on this idea that the people marveled. And why did they marvel? Well, of course, they they didn't marvel at Jesus' wisdom or his teaching or the way he discussed the law and the prophets or how he would confound the religiously. We see this all through the Gospels, all through the New Testament, but we don't see it in this passage. We don't see Jesus teaching or preaching or speaking parables here. They marveled at the demonstration of the power of God. You know, God's power is manifested in miracles and we see Jesus, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity is the, is the, uh, the Godhead that is basically demonstrating the power of God. When God demonstrates his power the people marvel. We can learn a lesson from that. When God demonstrates his power, the people marvel. And there's many instances in the New Testament of that. The Gospels specifically teach 37 unique uh, miracles of Jesus. And this includes healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes, uh, or the fish, Jesus walking on water, turning water into wine, raising the dead. These miracles were documented by eyewitnesses. Uh, They're part of what we know as Bible history. As I mentioned last week also, miracles are signs. They're signs to those that that are building their faith. They want to embrace the faith of God, embrace the faith that that tells them there's a coming kingdom. They embrace Jesus as the Messiah. So miracles are often signs to those that need a sign in order to build their faith. Now, these people marveled at what they witnessed. And I'm sure there was a, a great deal of happiness and thanksgiving and praise to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when the people returned home with their family members and their friends, their brothers and sisters, because among those the multitude were those, those that they brought that were lame, blind, mute, and maimed, and they were healed. They were restored, they were made well. Now let's talk about this, this concept of marveling at the works of God. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been around non-believers all my life. It seems that like lately there are more and more non-believers. They, these non-believers, they have no time for God. Um, often, but not fortunately, but not always often when we witness to them, when we share the gospel with them when we encourage them and try to invite them to church or or share jesus christ with them showing them how their sins can be forgiven how they could be born again uh, they have no positive response often they have excuses and sometimes they'll make a comment as if to challenge us challenge us on why they don't believe in god maybe you've heard some some of these before these I just wrote down some of them that I've that I've heard uh, that I often hear if I'm witnessing to people and talking to people that don't want to believe uh, one of them the first one would be well if there's a God why is there so much why is there so much suffering and pain or here maybe you'll hear this why doesn't God just show himself if he appears to people it's a big event maybe go on letterman You know, it's very sarcastic. Um, This I've heard too. Well, I'd believe what you say if I saw a miracle. Show me Jesus rising, raising somebody from the dead, walking on the water, calming the wind and the storm, and I'll believe. One of the other ones, maybe you've heard this too, is I need more evidence. I need evidence that God exists. If He's so powerful, show me the evidence. Now, maybe like me, you've heard some of these, maybe even from your friends or your neighbors. They demand a proof. What they're demanding is that God show himself, that God perform a miracle in order for them to believe. They, mar- they, want, to be have- they want to see something that they can marvel at. This is what the people did uh, in Galilee, along the, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, they they marvel because of the works of Jesus. Now, one of the things that was mentioned is in the case of human suffering, they often say that if God can do something about it and God doesn't, then he either doesn't care or doesn't exist. I think there's a lot of people that have heard that and they kind of write it down on a note card. And when you're witnessing to them, they'll bring that up. If God can do something about the suffering and he doesn't, either God doesn't care or he doesn't exist that's a pretty powerful argument really is and if you've thought about it before you could you can mention a few things and some of the things some of the ways to counter those types of arguments so for example you could talk about free will and responsibility you know God gives us free will this concept of free will means that God gives us the ability to make choices And then, actually, when you take a look at the suffering in this world, most of the suffering comes about because of poor choices that either people make themselves or other people make for them. Or you could counter this powerful argument of God not caring uh, with the concept of the fallen nature in the world. Now, this is a little bit more theological, but basically we go back to Adam and Eve. Most people know who Adam and Eve were, and the idea is that Adam and Eve fell. They sinned, and as a result, sin has come into the world. We live in a fallen world, and sin and suffering go hand in hand. It's like two sides of the same coin. Because we have sinned, we end up suffering, and that's where the suffering comes from. Or You could choose to talk about the redemption that's available in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ not only died on the cross for our sins, but he rose again, showing that there's a resurrection. And as a result, in the next life, life eternal, there is no longer any suffering, no sadness, no, no tears. So we have that opportunity. Um, One of the things I like to do is basically say that that's that's our role. Uh, God has given us a very, very unique role as believers, and that's to alleviate suffering and pain, to come alongside those that are suffering, to be able to know, let them know that God is still with them in their suffering and that we're there to basically to show the compassion. We're called, after all, to be the good Samaritans, right? Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now, all of these possible responses I give you But at the same time, there is one response I have when people say, show me a miracle. And that response is, the bottom line is, my friend, it wouldn't matter. You see, if you want a miracle in order to believe, even if God showed you a miracle, it wouldn't matter. And the reason we say this is despite the opportunity to be able to embrace the message of the gospel, to to embrace the forgiveness of sins, to embrace an everlasting God that loves you and wants to spend eternity with you, people just want to see a miracle. And we have historical evidence from both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament that if they see a miracle, it really wouldn't make any difference. And I'll give you two examples. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, we're introduced to a character you know. His name was Moses. And God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, you know the story. You know, after 10 plagues, including the death of the firstborn. Uh, oh, and by the way, remember that these, these 10 plagues affected the people of Egypt, but they did not affect the people of Egypt that lived in the land of Goshen, the the Israelites. People don't reckon, don't remember this, but it's a very key point. Uh, For example, in Exodus chapter 8, verse 22, this is what God tells Moses. He says, but on that day I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, are in this land. See, these 10 plagues had an effect on Egypt, but the people of Israel saw that God was so powerful that not only did he bring these plagues upon Egypt, but he also protected his people. And it just wasn't the flies. It was also the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness, and God even spared their firstborn son. All the people had to do was take the lamb, the blood of a lamb, apply it to their doorposts, and they would be saved. The people of Israel saw a wonder-working God, what often people want to see. They want to see a miracle. Remember, God also, after they left Egypt, God parted the Red Sea. He provided manna in the desert. He, He provided water from a rock. Now, what happened? Moses goes up to receive the Ten Commandments, and when Moses comes down from the mountain, he hears this noise in the camp, and he sees he sees his brother Aaron and the people are dancing around a golden calf they're they're worshiping a a false god Moses is only gone for a short period of time the people had seen all the wonders of God and as soon as Moses leaves they start worshiping this calf one of the more humorous episodes in the bible or or, or verses in the bible is when Moses confronts Aaron and Aaron says this, he says, they gave me the gold, I threw it in the fire, and out comes this calf. You see, people make all kinds of excuses why they're disobeying God, why they're not honoring the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even though they saw these miracles, these wonders, they quickly fell away. The people knew God. They knew this God. They saw his power. It was demonstrated in sight of all of them, but it didn't matter they had no fear of God no respect or love for God. I told you I was going to show you two examples. The other ones in the New Testament. Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus. It's a great story. If you likely remember the story there was a rich man who lived like a rich man and a poor beggar that sat at his table, Lazarus, who would eat the crumbs that fell from the table. Well, like this, like a lot of stories, uh, they both both men die. They they end up at the uh, the gates of heaven, actually the bosom of Abraham, and and Lazarus is being is being comforted uh, by by in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man is in anguish, and he has this discussion with Abraham, and he finally says this: he says, "I beg you, therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send him. This is Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers." that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. So the rich man is asking Abraham to send somebody back to warn his brothers. But Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But then the rich man says, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But Abraham said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rises from the dead." You see, the story that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus tells us clearly that even when the people marvel because of a miracle, a healing, a divine act of God, that, by the way, miracles suspend the natural laws. That's why people marvel. Even if someone would rise from the dead, there are going to be those that do not believe. That's why I say it really doesn't matter. The people that are asking for miracles, you can tell them it really doesn't matter. We already had somebody that rose from the dead and the Jewish people that were able to witness it, most of them did not follow Jesus. Jesus said, if they won't hear Moses, won't hear the prophets. I say, if they won't hear the gospel, understand how jesus came and lived to die in our place to teach us how to love one another died on the cross rose again even if that jesus would rise from the dead and he did and even though he says that he's coming back again and he will there are those that will not be persuaded they will not believe and my friends unfortunately this is their choice My friends, you have a choice. If you're listening to this podcast, I implore you, give your life to Jesus, repent of your sins, and you better get right, because Jesus is coming back again very, very soon. Let's pray. So, Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to uh, just talk through the gospel. Talk through this passage in the gospel of Matthew and to be able to let people realize that even if they saw the power of God, which has been manifested so many times, they still need to have faith to believe. You've called us, Lord. In fact, Lord, you said, blessed are those who believe and do not see. We give you all the praise and the glory for that. Amen.
0: Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period including the Great Tribulation available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian Bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today.